Hello and welcome to my podcast, Martessa. Nice to meet you today. Nice to meet you, Miriam. Hello to the audience. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Thank you for coming all the way from Lungby. So you're doing your, or you did actually, congratulations, um, your PhD at uh, the Technical University of Denmark, right? Yes. Um, and what did you do before you came to Denmark? Like, give us a bit of your story, if you like. Before coming to Denmark, actually, I start my bachelor as a material engineer. I work on copper carbon nanotube composite. I develop it and characterize it. Then I start my master in biomaterials and I synthesize, a, I, I work on bone scaffold and bone cements. And then after that, I went to startup, I joined a startup uh, working on prosthetic hands. And it was in 2019, which I got the chance to join a PhD position uh, in Denmark. My bachelor it was the best experience I could have. I initiated a project, a scientific project, I, and I completed it. And then I got that I love doing research. Okay, nice. Already in your bachelor's. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love my bachelor, yeah. Mm -hmm. Then uh, completing that project somehow helped me to be more independent in my master. Then started uh, the master working on biomaterials and bone tissue engineering. In my master, I tried to be more independent and responsible. Then uh, while I joined the startup, it helped me to be more brave and, uh, let's say, more responsible. However, it wasn't my field, but it was a good feeling to experience that uh, people are using your product, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. While I experienced that feeling, then I somehow know myself, know myself better. And then I started my PhD in health tech. It was an interdisciplinary project between three different departments and four supervisors. All, all yours? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I started the PhD in, in 2019, October, mm -hmm. and just had a difference in September 2023. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then you started your, your PhD here? In, in in the health tech group or department, right? Yeah, it was uh, mainly in health tech, mm -hmm. uh, DTU, health mm -hmm. tech department at DTU, and with collaboration with the uh, mechanical department and electronic department. Okay. And what was the overall goal of the project? It was about the variable device and in health application. Mm -hmm. I developed a material which was somehow sensitive and I tried to, to use different printing method, different manufacturing method to somehow print it and also use different electronics method to get some data from the sensors. Okay. Yeah. So if you if you pick us up a little, like what is a variable device in, in healthcare? Like how, how can we It's all about the, the, the physical and physiological parameters. If we can get if we can monitor the, the changes in different parameters so we can have an application for that. In my case, uh, it's a multimodal sensor. It's one material, single material, can sense different parameters. Mm -hmm. can sense uh, biomolecules, pH, temperature, pressure, mm -hmm. strain. And about the application, uh, for example, right now, uh, if you place the sensor or the material on your finger, you can uh, monitor the bending of your fingers, mm -hmm. and you can use this data for various applications. Okay. My and variable okay, and variable sensors would also be like my or anyone's smartwatch, right? Like that would also be a variable device that can, I guess, measure your heartbeat, for example, or 
Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, right? yeah. That 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 is also a wearable device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my case was mostly focusing on self-fillable and uh, with, uh, an elastic material, which can bend and is not a rigid and solid uh, material. So, okay. mm-hmm. so you can use it on on your joint, or there is a wound you can use it on it if it's a as a smart uh, wound healing. Ah, okay. Bandage. So um, okay. So I would apply this. Material that you developed on my my skin that is maybe hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it can detect the it can monitor the healing process of your uh, of the wound by okay. yeah by measuring the pH and temperature. And the final goal is that to monitor the healing process and also release drug needed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that can enhance enhance healing, and it could also like give early warning signs if exactly. the wound is like getting infected or something. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. and that can that I can or that could be used like outside in the skin, or could it also be used inside of my body? Right now, we are focusing outside the body, but still, mm-hmm. it can be in contact with the wound. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can use it inside. We have to do more uh, in vitro and in vivo characterization. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then like if it's if it's self healing and elastic and everything, like does it become part of my body? Could I say that, or would I just take it off again after? No, you. Uh, no, you have to take it off because uh, it's not something that degrade and regenerate the tissue. It's not that concept. We just use the skin properties to have a multimodal sensor, uh, like viscoelasticity of the skins or self-filling properties of these skins and multimodal sensing of the skins. What is multi? I mean, it can sense different parameters, okay. like mm-hmm. pressure, temperature, humidity, or different things. Mm-hmm. With a uh, single material. Okay. No need to have uh, different materials to measure all this uh, value. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how can I imagine that it like okay, it is sensing all of this, and how do I get the information then? Like, oh, that is the electronic part. We have to connect it to a to electronic components PCB. Mm-hmm. So by monitoring the changes in the resistance in different frequency, we can get the data from the sensor. Okay, so my my device would have to be in direct contact with with this. The sensor will be in direct contact with your body and with two wires or electrode. It's contact with a small uh, PCB, which uh, it can transfer data wirelessly and it's rechargeable. It can transfer the data to your smartphone. Okay, but it cannot store the data, right? It would have to be transferred directly and then... Right now, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It would have to transfer the data to a smartphone. So I could only know when it's directly connected to me reading it. Like I cannot yeah. check it every evening or something like that. Wouldn't obviously work. Like it's but just... it can re- it can store mm-hmm. the data on the smartphone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But not in itself. Uh, no. No. Okay. Right now, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. And like more specifically about uh, your research, like what was your what was your specific goal or your specific task? My PhD, I joined. In this group, the, this project, as a material engineer, there were various tasks started to developing and working on the material part, developing a material which mimics the skin's properties. We tried to make it self-heal, make it viscoelastic and sensitive by uh, using different components, different chemicals in it. And then it was about the characterization of this material, basic characterization of this material. Then after that, the, we start the uh, manufacturing, of it. The, the, let's say the printing of this material. It was so challenging because it says viscoelastic. You cannot easily print uh, your 
use common printer to print viscoelastic material. I tried different methods like uh, binder jet printing, extrusion, or suspended bath printing. Okay, I don't know what I Yeah, there are different methods in 3D printing uh, field. I used uh, some of them to print this material. Mm -hmm. And after developing, characterization, and printing, then we have the sensor. We have to get data from it. We use the, some electronics to get data from this sensor. And mm -hmm. um, we use AC and DC mode to get the different signals from this, uh, the sensor in different frequency. And, mm -hmm. and you said that the material would be like self-healing? Yes, yeah, self-healing means that uh, if you cut it and they're in contact to each other, yeah. and it will start healing itself in less than a minute. Oh, wow. It's not self-assembled, which they move and reach each other, but no. if they're in contact to each other, it will start healing. So if you, for example, use this material on a joint, which uh, you don't know uh, how many cycles it will uh, bend, mm -hmm. so it will help the durability of the material, the sensor. If it breaks, then if you don't stretch it too much, it will start healing itself in okay. in a minute. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is the the, the concept of self-healing material. Mm -hmm. And I think it's needed for flexible sensor, for a searchable sensor, because there are too much esters and different strain on the material. So if you don't have the self-filling material, then the durability is much lower than... Okay. You, yeah. Mm -hmm, I see. And like, how does it look? Like, does it look like cling foil or like how... Uh, how it look? It's like a gum, black gum. It's black, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can chew it, but uh, it's like a black gum, and it's like gum. If you cut it, it can heal itself. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's <laughs> see. Okay, and like, how big could it be? I guess also an advantage can be that if it's like a wound that is more difficult. I mean, if I cut my arm, it's basically easy, right? Because it's like a, a smooth, straight surface, kind of. But if I cut, I don't know, myself in between my fingers or something more complicated, then yeah, we uh, it, it's a it's a Let's say conducting material, you can make it in a different size if you want. Yeah. You can use different print, printing methods to print it in whatever geometry and mm -hmm. size that we want. It's all about if we have enough space to connect two electrodes on it and yeah. get data from it. We can print a net shape structure and cover a whole a big wound. Or we, okay. mm -hmm. or we can have a small piece to just detect the pressure somewhere. Okay, so in theory, there's no, like, it could have any size, in theory, at least. Also, yes, bigger so ones wouldn't yes. be. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the biomolecule sensing of this material. We, are, we, we, we focus on that as well. Okay, and yeah. what is that? It's all about, the, like, the wound healing. It can detect uh, some, absorb some biomolecules from the, like, the wound or sweat. Mm -hmm. Then it can detect uh, the glucose, for example, let's say glucose sensing. It can detect the concentration of glucose in, in the body and then... If needed, it can release a drug. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah interesting. <laughs> right now, we are making a small, uh, a small size sensor of this material, implementing in soil for cyclists, so it can detect uh, some parameters like pressure and temperature, and we can correlate those numbers to power for uh, professional cyclists. Okay, so that's a completely different application. Exactly, okay. different applications. Yeah, mm -hmm. but then it's also in direct contact with my with my feet. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's encapsulated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not in contact. It's just a sensor inside the sole. And then when the cyclist like pushes the the pedal, then I would get a like a signal. You would get signal from it, and 
yeah, we will analyze it and say, okay, which legs are aligned and uh, if your legs are aligned or you are using one of your legs to push the pedal more than the other one or the power, the cadence outside your cycling. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So then the cyclist could know, okay, I'm pushing my left leg a little stronger than I push my right leg. Although I guess it's really difficult to change that, I would imagine. Uh, if I know if they're professional they have to they, they could do yeah. yeah yeah right I just read uh, this book Atomic Habits where they're where they're writing or where they're talking about the British cycling team and mm. they were like it's some years ago but they were trying to improve everything by a little bit of the cycling team to make them better yeah just the fabric <laughs> of their I don't know shirts and the, yeah. the saddle and everything so that could be another Tiny little thing, I guess. Exactly, that yeah. The cycling could use. Yeah. The aim is yeah. that to make it cheaper so all cyclists, not only professionals, can use it. You have to experience it. It's really good feeling that you can see the society is using your what you produce or yeah, you have right. a role in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the the things that we are focusing right now. We we got two grants and we started startup working on this product. I spend a lot of time on it to make this sensor for this application. That is really interesting for me. Uh, I may continue working on it and by my research in the lab. Uh, I'm right now CTO in the data startup and I have to make the sensor cheaper. Yeah. And more accurate. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's also a nice example of how research can turn into something like sellable, right? Yeah, that would be the best uh, stories that a scientist can have. Yeah, right. Yeah, finding like real-life applications. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So this is patented, like what you did? A part of it, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, still, we need uh, to make it cheaper, so it would be more interesting for the investors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Okay. Could you tell us just a little bit about the journey of turning uh, your research project into a a startup? I think we had some presentations uh, about materials. I think it was second my second year of my PhD. Also, mm -hmm. we had some other projects. My colleague had some other, other projects working on this system with some of material. Then after that, there was a guy who was a professional cyclist. Then we, the idea that uh, we can use it in cyclist show as the power meter right now for cyclists are quite expensive and bulky and then uh, not easy to use. So we decided to use uh, this material inside the sole and detect uh, and monitor different parameters and correlate those parameters to power for cyclists. First, we try some random tests and then we apply for after getting some results and we apply for some grants, more grants to get deeper in it. And still we are uh, using those grants and mm -hmm. research on this project. Like, was it a surprise for you that what you did could be applied in cycling? Or was that something that you I, were not <laughs> too surprised about? Like, No, honestly, it was a surprise for me. I never expected <laughs> to yeah. use mm -hmm. that material from a chemistry lab, uh, give it to a cyclist. And we are doing it right now. We, uh, we, are, uh, we, having, we are making soul and... Uh, give it to cyclists and uh, mm. then I try it different times and use I use it several times <laughs> yeah because mm. really I never expected that no. something comes from a chemistry lab immediately and <laughs> yeah to cycling yeah. yeah so it was a cyclist who approached you who thought maybe this is something interesting for us uh yeah yeah okay. uh, mm? it was an entrepreneur and a cyclist mm. uh 
actually first we aim for another project so then he decide he suggests that uh, we can have this uh, for the, we can have this material for this application as well okay i see mm-hmm. yeah. There is another project we use the material for for glove, smart glove. We place the sensor on each finger in glove, mm-hmm. and then it can detect the movement of each finger. So we can use it for gamification or monitoring the if you have injury in your hand. So if you need some exercise, you can monitor your progress, or it can track your progress of your bending and, and muscles in your. Mm, I see. Mm. Yeah, that is more like straightforward application, I guess. That is something. Yeah, we started with that. Then we, yeah, mm. in parallel yeah. to that, we start a sole application as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And I guess through developing it further for cycling, where it can have a market value, it might be easier to then come back to the medical sector and make it cheaper. Also for the medical sector, where costs are maybe even more important than they are in cycling, I, I would assume that in cycling, that's true. maybe more that... money than in the, in healthcare. That's true. Actually, right now we can get the data from the sensor and transfer it to mobile phone and have it plotted. And also we can have a pattern so that you can bend your finger mm-hmm. based on a pattern that the, your doctor can suggest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you can have a record of your exercise every day. Right now we are we, we all uh, have these uh, data and applications right now, but they are parallel projects. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. But then also, I mean, then there is ever more data collected about us, right, in a way? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also interesting, the ethics in this uh, field. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to use all this variable for humans? And mm-hmm. what if they cannot use and they don't want to use all these variables, uh, like old people maybe? Yeah, that is also one important thing. Yeah, I guess. Also ethical yeah things right i mean if we monitor ourselves all the time then yeah yeah that is uh, mm-hmm. that that is i think very important issue in this field mm-hmm. and you have to make it in a way that not not limit the movement and not also it's not it's easy to use so even old people they can use it and they can detach it they don't want to use it and about the privacy of the data the the, the safety and everything uh they're all challenges yeah i guess I mean, I guess health. If it gets closer to the market, yeah, you know. Yeah. But right now, our aim is having a lot that works. So later we can, if we are close to the market, more close to the market, then we can solve all these problems. Yeah, I guess. I guess health insurance companies would be interested in that, and then that yeah. could be critical if and it good. Co- if yeah. if reduce if it reduce the cost of the the all diagnostic or treatment, so for sure. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah, I see. Yeah, thank you. Interesting insights. New world to me, at least. yeah was there something else that you would like to share about your research my research i think the most important part was the interdisciplinary projects and the side project Mm -hmm. and uh, that was the main part of my phd i think it was more important and more bold than the the main project that i finished okay Mm -hmm. i think it was uh it was really Good experience, exciting experience. Have a collaboration with different groups, and I learned a lot from it. I think that was the main part of my research at DTU. I learned a lot from it. Yeah, yeah, working across disciplines, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You have to understand different pers- different per- perspectives mm-hmm. and uh, their background, how to convince them, how to <laughs> change the direction in a way that you like, and how to involve other. Because if it's interdisciplinary and you you don't act actively in 
in these collaborations. So you may find out, okay, some collaborators may are some isolated and they cannot help even they want, but they cannot help. Okay, so trying to involve everyone, you mean? Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah, the managing a collaborative project. Um, so, oops, I'm sorry. If you, if you started over uh, with collaborating with others, like yourself uh, some years ago, what would you advise yourself to do? What did you learn from collaborating? Advise myself is uh, avoid misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. uh, How? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe with uh, uh, improving the communication skills, just find a way, the, the right way to communicate with people that you are working. It can be your student, it can be your supervisor, it can be your colleague. Find the right way to communicate with them. If it's email, in conversation, what type of conversation, in uh, text or with another person or two persons alone together. Uh, just find the right way to communicate with people. and. Make them ready if uh, make the environment ready if there is some feedback, so both of you can give feedback on each other, mm -hmm. and you should be open and about that. So that can be like finding the right way could mean that okay, I'm not trying to put the same way of communicating to everyone, but I'm looking at everyone and I'm like, okay, how does this person perceive the way I talk? What does the person understand when I say this or that? Exactly. And I can adjust yeah. the way. Different, the, different people, if you are working in a diverse group and mm -hmm. international groups with different backgrounds, their perspective, their vision, their culture is different. And it depends. Uh, sometimes they, they like to talk about the challenge directly. Uh, someone, they don't like to talk about it and they just want, you cannot manage them maybe. <laughs> But uh, it's, it's not easy to find the best way to communicate, but for sure it's not one way that can work for everyone. Mm -hmm. Even uh, it depends on the position. People, they have the good and bad days. Yeah, also that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's all about understanding. Understanding their, their behavior, their background, uh, their expectations, and all these. If, for example, you... There are many, many challenges. You cannot open a new dialogue about new challenges. Maybe it's better to solve all those and then work on other challenges. And I think the understanding for me is the key. Mm -hmm. Do you have a strategy for that? Or is there an approach that you try to follow when you meet someone new or when there is new people in the project? I want to start anything. I just try to understand the people and their expectations. Then I will answer all those expectations positive or, or negative i will i will break the ice and then uh well, that could be like asking questions like being open about okay what are your expectations those are my expectations i guess that is a conversation that yeah that, that many don't have right in project yeah that can be directly like this or you can do it in different phase after different meetings because maybe because maybe at first meeting met meeting you cannot ask these questions yeah but uh Always you should be open for feedback. Even they are not, for example, if you are working in an interdisciplinary project, mm -hmm. even they are not in your fields, you have to make sure that they are understanding what you did and what is the outcome, what is the problem, and what is the plan. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure about that. It's not only you think that, okay, I present it clearly, that's enough. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that the other also will get, uh, get the point. And it, this will avoid misunderstandings. 
Yeah, right. It's not my job to present. It's my job to be understood, right? In a way. So that's a good question. <laughs> I think understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listening, asking questions. Listening, active listening. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always uh, like a deal. If you want uh, something in a dialogue, you have to give something as well. If you want to change the direction of project, you have to give some details. And you have to show that you spent time and did research on that so you can convince others. So you can get their idea about that project. It's not just about asking and asking and asking. Sometimes you have to also give some feedback, some give some time and energy to the project. So it can be a win-win game. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think it won't work. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like showing your involvement. Yeah, showing your involvement. inspecting yeah. other people's involvement. Mm-hmm. And also, if it was three years ago, for example, mm-hmm. uh, I would be more active in the meetings. So I will involve others as well and help them if, if there is a barrier there because... For sure, they want to collaborate. They want to do something in that project. Just a matter of how easy it is to start that contributions. I advise myself that be more active uh, in the meetings and the conversations so people will find a way to communicate with you and then uh, there will be less misunderstanding. If, if I'm working, for example, with my supervisor and uh, another guru, I will share what I have to do and what is the priority. So I will then we get uh, we will reach a, a point that okay it's a realistic time point and the realistic deadline for that. Otherwise, there will be a problem. So being open and then uh, prioritizing tasks is mm-hmm. I think will also help for time management and having less stress. Yeah, and right. enjoying the work actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and communicating what what one prioritizes, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and updating regularly so. People will know that there is progress on it, mm-hmm. not the final result, but at least there is someone is working on it and someone is taking care of that part. And if there is a problem, they won't be surprised after, for example, one month or there is an update, there's yeah. a problem. <laughs> they won't be surprised. And I think that also will help updating regularly. And really communicating yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And what was your like struggles and joys in your, during your PhD journey? During PhD? Yeah. Joy was learning new things, find joy in learning new things, um, new skills not in my fields like Python or programming or electronics. Struggle uh, was making the sensors work. Yeah. However, I managed to do it, but then uh, there are other challenges like making it uh, cheaper or de- change the design to get better data. That was the main struggles that I had in my mm-hmm. PhD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you managed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you think that you see the world differently because of what you do? Like when you, I don't know, when you see people or when you're in the street, do you think you perceive things differently? Yeah, for sure. If you're doing research and you mm. are always, you have to solve problems, you have to find problems and solve it and critical thinking, all these will change your perspective, even in your personal life. And always, uh, if you feel that it's important that uh, the what users and society needs, so you can you can play your role and cover part of it. So while you're outside the academia, uh, the university and the lab, so you you have a new vision, you know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So you, what I understand is like when you're in the, when you're outside somewhere, anywhere, you would be like, okay, I can see problems that, that could be solved, you think? Yeah, something like okay. that. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> that's also funny, like scientists are looking for problems, <laughs> but I guess that's what they do. Yeah, can make problems. <laughs> oh, we can make problems. Yeah, that's true. Problems that we can then solve. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Then I only have a last few questions and you can answer them very quickly. <laughs> Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. In the morning or in the evening? Morning. Lunch or lunchbox or canteen? Uh, lunchbox. Okay. <laughs> Science or nature? Science. Science. Okay. <laughs> Twitter or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for today's interview. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you for your time and all the best. Thank you. Uh, Bye.